Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Hi guys, this is Darren Clark, the producer of Perpetual Traffic, created by the team here at Digital Marketer. If you're loving this podcast, you're going to love our lab community. As a member, you will gain access to a treasure trove of blueprints, templates, and tools for every aspect of marketing and growing a business. We have made it easy so that you can become an expert in content creation, social media, paid traffic, SEO, email marketing, and so much more. So go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash trial for an absolutely free 30-day membership. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash trial. All right, on with the show. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to episode 177 of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is Ralph Burns and I'm without Molly Pittman this week. She unfortunately lost her voice. So it's just me with our very special guest here this week, Corey Phillip, who is going to be talking how local service companies can leverage Facebook and this guy is an amazing story. He actually was very persistent to become a guest here on Perpetual Traffic, but he has figured out a way to get his home services business 1.9 million in sales in 12 months from Facebook on only $29,000 worth of traffic. So for those of you math wizards that are at home, I can't even do that math, but that is a ridiculous return on ad spend. So he's going to give us the goods here, show us how he did it, how he built this business from scratch, 
and also how he's using Facebook ads, especially in the last couple of years to really take his business to the next level. So Corey, man, glad to have you on here. Welcome to Perpetual Traffic. Ralph, man, thanks for having me on the show. This is very cool. So it took a lot of back and forth for us to finally schedule this here today, but it's actually kind of good because right now it's sort of a slow time for the business with not many people wanting to have service guys in their home for Thanksgiving. So I'm glad you could make it on this week. But let's get right into it, man. A little bit of background for all these guys. He started Gulf Coast Aluminum, which is the company that we're talking about here in 2012, correct? When you were the tender age of 22, which means you are incredibly young to be this smart. And I'm super jealous of that, by the way, just so you know. Um, (laughs) Thanks for the flattery. But, you know, uh, (laughs) in building the business, I got to say, there are many days Well, I should say from the beginning, each day I progressively feel less smart because as I go further into the process of growing a business and operating it, I just realize how much is out there that I don't know. And it only leaves me wondering, what don't I know at this point? Yeah, so true. I think that is the mindset. I think if you're a Facebook marketer or an online marketer, especially right now, especially this week, as we were just complaining about the ads manager not loading correctly today, which is great for everyone inside tier 11. We're all pretty excited about that, especially on Black Friday week. This is a humbling business. You know, it really is. And I always sort of think that, yeah, we know what we know, but what don't we know? And quite honestly, the local business side of how Facebook is growing businesses is something that I don't really know all that much. That's actually how I started as a local SEO agency and then started doing more Facebook joined my local BNI group, Business Networking International, and then eventually started running this thing on on perpetual traffic. But still, even three, four years ago, when I was in those BNI groups, Facebook was a total mystery. Like, how do you really use it? Everyone knew that Google pay-per-click was great for services, you know, for a plumber, for their carpenter, for an electrician. But how do you leverage Facebook? So that's what we're really going to get into here today. And with the results that we're talking I think that probably caught a few people's attention out there that are doing similar things to you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of potential out there, as everyone knows, I think, for home service and contracting businesses, because none of them are actively using Facebook or very, 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 very few. are. We all know the statistics. I think it's less than 1% of businesses advertise on Facebook. The decimal just gets further out there if you were to look at home service businesses specifically. I know we've done a lot with pay-per-click traffic and we had a ton of competitors there in my business on Facebook ads. It's a wide open playing field. Yeah. And I think a lot of local businesses really get caught up in SEO and Google Places, which I know now is actually a different name. And Facebook, like they try to, you know, really work on that, thinking like that is the primary source. Whereas You obviously have exposure on Google, but the real growth area from what we've talked about here really seems to be on Facebook so much that your Facebook spend actually exceeded your Google spend this past month. Yeah, that's correct. In October, for the first time ever, we spent more on Facebook ads than we did on the Google pay-per-click ads, which we have been heavily running for the last, well, since we started the business. So now we are allocating more towards the Facebook ads and it's all tracked and everything. We know our cost per lead. We know our numbers on there. And as long as we can keep that cost per lead and return on investment within a marginal range, we're just going to keep piling more money into it. Yeah. And I will say the Google local is important for local businesses. But again, you're very constrained there. You're limited to the geographic area of where the actual business is located unless you get in some shady stuff with fake mailboxes and stuff. But assuming you're doing things by the book and correctly and ethically, you were limited because of the distance on what you can do. So 
don't overlook Google Local if you're a local business listening to me. Certainly, you know, make sure you're building those reviews, optimizing your Google Local place. But do know Facebook is a wide open playing field with lots of opportunities. Absolutely. And it's why we love it so much. It's the ideal non-search-based, non-intent-based media platform in the world. And in our opinion, that's why we focused exclusively on it and talk about it so much here on the show. So let's take a step back here and tell us a little bit about, we've referred to your business as a service-based business or a home service business. What exactly does Gulf Coast Aluminum do? Gulf Coast Aluminum is an exterior contracting company. So we build patios, decks. Down here in Florida, we have what are called screen enclosures, these big aluminum and screen mesh structures that are actually quite expensive on every pool down here. And then, of course, we do exterior house painting, gutter work, stuff of that nature. So structural exterior work. We're an exterior contractor. Got it. So you've got how many locations? How big is your team? Like, what are we talking here? You're not just a guy in a truck by any stretch. <laughs> no, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're a little bit past the guy in a truck point. And we got two locations in Southwest Florida, one in Naples, one in Fort Myers. And we got a team of about 60 people. Cool. Yeah. So this is a bigger operation. So obviously that is a scaled up operation. Obviously your business has grown dramatically, primarily through online marketing, as well as repeat referral business. Probably a lot of that business, which actually came from the online marketing, it sounds like, which is always good. Our first customers came from online marketing, which was pay-per-click. Cool. So you've got a big operation there, you know, 60 guys working for you, but Mm -hmm. could the strategies that we're talking about here affect and help the guy in a truck. And by the way, the guy in a truck is by no means a disparaging comment. It just sort of separates. There are people that it's like, it's one guy, like our electrician. Actually, we don't have him anymore because he retired. He was one guy in a truck for 40 years and that's it. Never even had a helper, but a super successful business. So for somebody that's small or somebody that's your size or maybe even larger, the strategies that we're going to talk about here today, are they going to be applicable to all types? Absolutely. Any home service business can use this stuff and get a positive return. In my opinion, running the Facebook ads is even easier if you're a smaller operation because you can easily create and get the content that you need while you're out there on the job site. Just take a picture. Whereas in my case, I've got to rely on my guys that are out there in the field doing it or I have to go out there, bring it all back, piece it all together. Some of the best stuff actually just comes from the organic content that you create. I don't know if I said that correctly, but in other words, what I'm saying is you need to avoid stock photos and stock videos showing off the inner workings of your company and what you're doing day to day. Even if you're doing that without an in-depth strategy like what we'll probably get into here, you're going to go a very long way. Well, looking forward to getting into it. So why don't we take a step back in time and go back to 2012 when you started Gulf Coast Aluminum at the tender age mm-hmm. of 22 and what your journey's been like and then specifically how you've started to utilize Facebook ads in the last couple of years to really help grow and leverage the awesome platform that we all love here on Perpetual Traffic. Yeah, so back in 2012, I wasn't paying any bit of attention to Facebook ads. Uh, the first two years of growing the business, you know, if things were taking off, I wasn't really looking for more marketing. It was in 2014, I started noticing Facebook ads coming through. And I think that was the year that they really started pushing the Facebook ads platform and adding some more targeting options and features to that. I think before that, it was pretty basic and pretty watered down. So 2014, Facebook advertising starts coming onto Marketer's Horizon as a viable platform and starts growing in popularity. And it caught my attention at that point. I knew most larger businesses were on there. Lots of businesses were on there and getting a good return on investment. 
I wanted to be on there too. I knew the user base was there and customer base was there because as marketers, we ultimately have to go where our customers are hanging out. I knew that was Facebook and I started trying to run some ads. And the very first ads I ran were radically, radically, radically different than what I had today. I basically just looked at print ads because do mind you at this time, there's no contractors advertising on Facebook. So I had nothing else to look at, nothing else to reverse engineer. Look at print ads and I'm like, all right, here we go. And we weren't advertising in the print at that time. We were just doing pay-per-click and SEO back then. So I see the print ads. I'm like, all right, we're going to make an ad like these print ads for our company. What we would do if we're going to make a print ad, we're going to put that onto Facebook and off to the races. I set the objective, I think was link clicks is what it's called at the time or was called at the time. Now it's called traffic, but I set the objective to link clicks figure if we could get them to, you know, come over to our website, they'd see the phone number and call or fill out the online estimate request form. And off to the races, we went Mm -hmm. nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Just send them to your website. Why not? People, you know, start calling. We're professional licensed and insured offer fast service. Come on over to our website and call now. And well, Those experienced marketers out there will obviously see why that didn't work, but that went nowhere fast. And I, you know, experimented with things of that nature for the next two years or so. And then after that, I started getting a little bit more savvy and really kind of started to understand audience temperature and how familiar people were with the brand and what we could do to warm them up and then bring them to a lead capture type of situation. Got it. So you started Mm -hmm. the way that probably most service-based businesses start, which is, hey, why wouldn't they call me? They clicked on my ad and they went to my website. Why wouldn't they just pick up the phone and try and hire me at that point? Which obviously it doesn't quite work that way, but it's a good way to start. We all start with failed ads typically, unless you're Molly Pittman, by the way, whenever she starts, she like half of her ads are successful. Whereas with ours, it's like (laughs) 20 or 30%, which I always can't stand. But anyway, my point is, is that So you started that way, but you didn't do what the trap is, I think, for most people who start with Facebook. They do it once, try it for a month or two, and then they just say, eh, that doesn't work. So what did you figure out next? Obviously, that first strategy didn't get you the end result. How did you pivot to ultimately get to where you're at right now? Yeah, so eventually what I caught on to was audience temperature. And I don't know how exactly I realized this. And I don't know how it came to be, but I sort of figured out at some point, hey, these people are just hanging out on Facebook. The last thing they are thinking about is the services that we offer. They're not on there looking for us. They don't want to see our ad. So I got a little creative. And at that point, I said, well, what's working? And at that time in SEO, and it's still working, although it's diminishing value. And this is a whole nother topic that I could go on for hours on blog posts, long form blog posts, explaining the services, the quality of service we provide, the materials. Those blog posts were generating a lot of business and a lot of interest from search engine traffic and people were consuming them, reading them, etc. So I said, well, forget about these print style ads that we're running. Let me just try to get people to read these blog posts and, you know, the search traffic will read it and then ultimately end up calling us. Let's see if the people on Facebook will do it. So our ads shifted from being traditional print style ads to what was just a blog post that just looked like shared content and not an ad at all. So we started doing that, running the ads for those, and that worked. And then at that point I said, well, you know, it's still only a small amount of people that actually click on it and end up on our landing page that ultimately come back and become a lead for us. 
why don't we stay in front of these people and essentially just retarget them? So at that point now, we've basically just taken a cold audience and warmed them up. And then we started having success with that. And it was at that point, things started to get real. And I realized, hey, there's a ton of opportunity here. It's worth investing more time and money into it. And that ultimately built the pathway to where we'd go on today, where now we've got another tiered level of ads and traffic and audience for people that are in our sales pipeline. So after we've qualified them, so they've requested an estimate, they're a lead at this point, we've qualified them as in their in our service area, they want the services that we offer and they're within our budgeting scope. So they're in line with what our services cost. Now they go into another level of the funnel for marketing to people that are in the sales pipeline. And then After that, once we complete their project, boom, we've got another audience of people there to market to our past customers. So it started with blog posts. Like, do you remember what that first blog post was or group of blog (laughs) posts where you sort of said, wait a second, this is actually generating something? Yeah, so there is one blog post out there that I say has propelled me into the top 1% of earning authors out there. And that is this one blog post I wrote back in maybe 2013 called the four types of screen every homeowner should know about and what to avoid. And I cringe when I read that post, but that thing is like the gift that keeps on giving. People keep eating it up and people keep reading it and we've repurposed it and it's been made into a lead magnet and other various things. There's a video out there on it as well. But by and large, that was the big winning ticket. And there are some others out there that do pretty well, but nothing does quite as well as that one. Interesting. So the four types of screens every owner... Every homeowner should know about. And then in those brackets, and what to avoid. And that one is still running today. And I, you know, go in and intermittently turn it off to let our other ads show, you know, to avoid ad fatigue there. Because if we let it run, Facebook will just keep running that one. That's tremendous. So... Very digital marketing, very Frank Kern, Andy Jenkins style title there. So obviously, you know, <laughs> it, it gathers a lot of interest. It is a great title, although it wasn't your best piece of content that you've created, it sounds like. But it doesn't matter because it still converts. So yeah, the audience votes and they say that's the best one. So I'm totally cool with that being my copyright claim to fame. So that goes for all of us out there who think like one ad or one blog post is going to be the thing that actually crushes it when in fact, it's typically it's the one that you never think that's actually going to do anything. That's the one that usually works. Yeah. So, all right. So you have that blog post. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's speaking to a potential desired end result. Just so happens that your company, Gulf Coast Aluminum, does a few things about screens. They do some services related to that. So that was not only something that engaged people, but also it was a window into what their potential motive was to even consume that content and a potential solution, which is perhaps to fix that screen. So what, like I'm drawing a lot of conclusions here, but what did that sort of end up? Did it end up being a blog post that drove and generated a lot of leads and business as well as just engagement? It does generate leads and business, Mm -hmm. But by and large, it is just an engagement piece. So, you know, the important level or the level that's really capturing the lead and bringing in the business is what we serve them after that. So we know if they clicked on that, there's some interest. Some people will land on that, read it and call us or head on over to the online estimate request form. But that's a very small percentage of people. From there, we need to come back at them directly with ads that are saying, hey, get an estimate. And then for that, we're using conversion targeting ads or lead gen ads. Got it. 
So I click on your ad, I go read the blog post, and obviously now you're doing this with video as well. Same type of scenario. This blog post is obviously still running. But yes. with the advent of video, we talk about it here all the time at Perpetual Traffic, how you can actually retarget based upon mm-hmm. percentage of engagement. How are you doing it today? Or how are you sort of diversifying that front-end engagement aside from just blog posts? Uh, yeah, the front-end engagement is also coming through video. So mm-hmm. there are... A few videos that we've got working on the front end, I like to show the inner operations and talk about what we do inside of our company. And it might seem basic. It might seem like nobody cares about this stuff, but the people that might be our customers and have some interest in it, they are interested in it. And while it seems intuitive to us, like, yes, this is how we do things and everybody knows it, putting it out there and showing it to the homeowners or potential customers actually works quite well. So we've got several videos out there now that have no purpose except to build engagement in terms of how long people watch it. Those are usually one to two minutes long, and we usually retarget everybody that watches 50% of it. Got it. Then they're coming back with a conversion at that point. Then they go on to the next level of the funnel. And we'll go for a conversion ad or lead generation ad. So these are somewhat branded, but also instructive, these videos, if I'm understanding you correctly. They're more branded. Basically, what they do is they show the inner operations. So we've got one video, which is me inside the facility. And I'm kind of showing one of our projects that's getting prefabricated. And I talk about how that makes the project go smoother on site so that when our guys get sent out to your house, they've got everything they need to get the project done properly and quickly. This avoids communication delays or qualities that arise from problems of communications. And it also gets us in and out quicker so you can use your home, obviously, without having our activities going on. So I talk about how the prefabrication process lets us do your project better, more efficiently, and how that benefits you. We've also got another one out there where I think I'm in the video and I just say something like, do you ever wonder if we're going to clean up the project when we're done? We do. And then it shows me like scooping up all this trash and carrying it out to our truck. We clean up your project and we take it all away. Wow. While that seems intuitive, a lot of customers actually ask that question. Like, okay, so are you going to clean up all the old material and debris that comes out of here? To us, it's like, well, yeah, obviously we're a business, we're a legitimate operation, we're going to do that. But we got that question a lot. So that triggered me to make that video. And that's one of the ones that's running out there now on the front end of our Facebook ads. So you've got blog posts, like front end, Mm -hmm. what we refer to as level one traffic, people who don't know who you are as of yet. I'm sure you're taking a step back to this, like targeting, geo-targeting to your your geographic area, you say you've got a number of locations. Is there any sort of targeting that you're using for folks like this or just wide open? You know, we used to do it using the demographics that were available on Facebook, I think before September. Mm -hmm. I know in September, Facebook reduced the amount of demographics that you can use. So we were using homeowners and income at that point. Since then, since that all got removed... I just went to targeting strictly geo areas and we target an age range, which in our case is 35 plus. So everyone over 30 within a zip code. And quite honestly, the fact that Facebook removed those demographics and increased our audience size actually was a win for us. It was something that maybe should have been done, you know, prior without having such constraints on it. It definitely increased things for us and improved our ROI. Yeah. So the partner categories is what you're referring to. Correct. And homeowner being one of them. And income ranges, you felt that that was, which makes sense. Everything that Facebook Mm -hmm. always tells us whenever we talk to them is, oh, get as big, wide audiences as you possibly can that are targeted still, but never narrow down your audiences too much. So with an overlay of either income or homeownership in your geographic areas, you're probably targeting fairly small 
potential reach. I mean, your monthly ad spend isn't enormous, but your return on ad spend is enormous. So you've actually found that by removing that category, Facebook has now actually improved or enhanced the effectiveness of your ads. Correct. I have. Our audience before the partner categories removed was around 90,000. Without it or without the partner categories, just targeting based on geography, we're at about 280,000. So it basically tripled our audience size and our return on investment has gone up. So in other words, our cost per lead has gone down. That's tremendous. Not huge. I shouldn't say it's like a cut in half type of thing, but it's a little one to two dollar drop in our cost per lead. So it's doing quite well. And our volume of leads has increased as well from there. So a little drop in price and then a little increase in volume. And it's all good. We'll take all of it that we can get. Well, let's get into the ad types that you use. Mm -hmm. So we obviously talked about just engaging content on the front end, which I assume is you know, if you're going to be promoting a blog post, what objective do you use for that? For that, we're using traffic. And then on the front end, we're also, of course, using the video view objective and then creating an audience based on the percentage of video that they watch. Okay. So you engage the cold traffic audiences with either a blog post or an engaging video. Then take us through the next step of what types of ads you use. What are the strategies after that initial touch point? After that initial touch point, we're going to start serving them ads that are intended to capture a lead, either using one of the lead capture forms on Facebook or a landing page with a target conversion objective. And for all of those, we are using a button that says get quote. So it's very clear what the intent is. And we generally at that point start using more of AdWords style copy. We'll say something like, we work fast, we can accommodate your project quickly, we're a step above the others in terms of competition. We're going to tout ourselves, toot our own horn at that point, and we're generally going to use an image that is showing the actual people inside of the company. So one of our guys standing in front of the truck, we've got all of our project managers standing in front of what is clearly one of our types of projects or services that we offer. Mm-hmm. We've got another photo with our office staff standing in front of one of our offices. At that point, there's a get quote button down there along with some types of headlines. On other ads like this, we'll again show a project and in the copy or in the video, if we're doing a video, talk a little bit about that project and then we'll run the headline wondering how much yours would cost with a get quote button next to it. So we're running both of those and we do interchange them. I know about ad fatigue and audience fatigue and all that. So we'll run you know, a series of those for a couple of weeks and I'll go in and pause them, let the other style ads run. I can't say that any one has done better than the other. There's one thing that I do like and that's the conversion targeting ads because you can keep the social proof with them. That makes a huge difference with the lead gen ads. If you try to edit it or try to clone it over to another audience, you lose all the social proof. And some of our ads have dozens of shares. Some of them have well above 200 likes or likes reactions, I should say. Some of them have well above 200 reactions. So those do quite well. And the nifty thing we found with the target conversion ads is once they get a lot of social proof, you're probably thinking it, we can run them to a cold audience and do quite well. Ah, of course. Yep. So lead ads, you said mm-hmm. you're using those sometimes with a video. And then when they click the get quote, how many fields do you typically find people are uh, willing that's a good question. to give? That is a good question. Because <laughs> I, I know a lot of people out there will tout, oh, we captured 200 leads for $300 or something like that. Well, they're only just capturing an email address, right. a first name and email. We capture the full spectrum. So we get full name, email, mm-hmm. phone number, their full house address. 
And then we also have a line that is a drop-down box that says, what would you like to get a quote for? So they have to consciously select one of our services that is there. That's a lot of information. We are capturing a lot of information on that, yes. Yeah, so the intent to buy, the intent to engage with you at that point is pretty high. Correct. So obviously they're backing out. I mean, obviously based upon your ad spend and the revenue that you've generated from Facebook, how long did it take you to figure out how many fields were sort of the right mix for you to be able to get the lead cost that you're looking for, but also balancing that with get enough information so that you know it was a legitimate lead? Well, I don't think I have a good answer for that, but I went into this knowing that I did not want name, email, and phone number. If somebody wasn't ready for us to give their full address, they weren't quite ready to talk to us or it wasn't kind of worth the time on my sales team side to actually talk to them, considering you know that we do have a steady flow of customers coming in that would give up that information. So when I went into this, that was basically my first and only option. Whatever it was going to cost me to run it and capture them with all that information, that's what it was going to be. And from there, I would improve the ad quality if I needed to or you know, figure out a different angle. It wasn't really an option of capturing less information than that. We've since changed and we do run some ads, which if we have time, we can talk about where I just capture name and email address. Mm -hmm. But by and large, the bulk of our ad spend is going to these ads where we're capturing all the information. Totally makes sense. I wouldn't ever think that the physical address would be so important, but obviously that shows a tremendous amount of intent. Like if I'm willing to engage, you have to actually come to my house. <laughs> so Yeah, absolutely. You know, you cannot buy from us if we don't have your address. We can't do it. You know, obviously we need the home address to provide an estimate of any sorts. So if someone isn't willing to do that and they don't understand that that's part of the estimate process and we need that, we don't think that they're qualified enough to get into our sales funnel. Got it. So once they actually do enter that information, how does it sort of work on your end, back end, who follows up with them? How does the next step sort of happen? And this is obviously off Facebook, or maybe it's still on Facebook. How do you actually do it from there? <laughs> I'm thinking Messenger right now, but probably that's not where you're going with this. But No, it, it is not. Messenger is something that's been on my horizon, and I do have some tests going on with Messenger, but my initial tests have not been going very well with that. But that's a whole other thing. At that point, they're going to come through. The information is going to be sent through to the sales team. The CRM, there's an integration via Zapier, of course, from the Facebook lead ads into our CRM and email system. That distributes everybody out. And once they opt in or convert and become a lead, now they get put into our next audience. So they're going to get their own marketing at that point. And then they're also going to get an email drip sequence. And at this point, it's all about focusing on the level of service and quality that we provide. So that final field that they fill in, is that customized for whatever sequence they go into? Like if I'm looking for screens specifically or if I'm looking for an outdoor deck or whatever it happens to be, does it get that level of granularity or no, it doesn't? Really no, matter. we don't go to that level of granularity. I tried, but quite honestly, it wasn't worth the return on my time that I'd put into it. And then you get some people that come in and they don't really know what they want and they select one thing, but they really want to talk about something else. The idea behind that field in particular is to get these customers to understand what our services are and to show intent. In other words, by saying and selecting something, they're saying, I want a quote for this. Otherwise, we found if we don't do this also on our website, if we don't make them select from a drop down our services that are offered, we get a bunch of unqualified or non-targeted leads, people that will come through. And rather than actually wanting a quote for something, they want to talk about 
how their last contractor that they had a problem with did on the project, or they want to know if we sell materials, or they want engineering advice. You know, so we get a lot of stuff like that. If we don't consciously make them answer that question, what would you like to get a quote for? So, yeah, so it's like, like a qualifying question. And we have that on all of our contact forms. When we take it off, we do get a lot more submissions coming through those contact forms, but they are not targeted and they have no value, you know, to us as a business, essentially. Absolutely. No, that's totally makes sense. This is awesome. It's not really that complicated. I mean, not to disparage the strategy, but it's like, it totally makes sense how you're doing this. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. figuring out what content up front is going to engage your audience. This isn't overly complicated. I mean, am I missing something here? Is there like some sort of ninja tactic that, you know, we're missing in this whole conversation? <laughs> no, 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 no ninja tactic or anything. I will say one of the things that works best when you're thinking of your ad creative for a local business, particularly a local service business, is using organic content, showing off the business and the resources that it has, the projects that it completes, and the people behind the business. If you keep those three things the center point of all of your ads, you are going to do pretty good. You don't want to use stock photography. You don't want to use photos that people don't identify with. By showing the actual business and making yourself seem like a local business, at least in the trades or contracting business, you're going to do quite well. Yet time and time again, what I see people doing are you know, using the Shutterstock images that Facebook provides and not getting a good result. The images are crucial. The videos are crucial. Getting ones that are from the actual inner operations of the company is crucial to getting results on Facebook. I couldn't imagine having to use stock images or using stock images. I I see that as a total failure. I haven't tried it, but my intuition tells me it would not do well. You know, our photos look different and they look like the local area and they show people that they can relate to, put faces behind the brand. All that stuff is crucial. I guess I would say that is the ninja tactic if I have one. (laughs) (laughs) But that's also something that we talk about here all the time. I think people feel, oh, geez, I need video. And they've listened to Perpetual Traffic. I need to hire a production company to come out and do a video shoot. Yes, we have customers who do that. Yes, we have a large video team and an awesome creative team at Tier 11 to help with that. But what we found is that absolutely, it's the iPhone you know, video. It's the stuff that doesn't look like it's professional. Obviously it's on brand as well, Mm -hmm. but also you are a local company. So it like local means I should be able to identify maybe even local landmarks to know that you are in my area. Absolutely. Yeah. These are things that people identify with like, Oh, he lives in our community. They live in our community. And obviously I need something here. I need my screens fixed. Why not, Mm -hmm. you know, take the next step and engage? That's very cool. Going back to what you said there on the video, just like I've got that one blog post that does incredibly well, I've got this horrible video that does awful, but I can't get anything to do better than it or not much better than it. But it was one of the very first videos I did. And I think in the show notes will in some way link to this. I'm out on one of our project sites. I've got at this point an iPhone 4. It was the first phone that would actually record from both sides, record front and rear camera, had a front and rear camera on it. So that's how old this video is and how low quality is. And I got a shaky hand that I'm out there walking around one of the job sites talking about it and talking about the final outcome. 
And that video has done incredibly well, and it's still one of my top performers. And do mind you, at this point, our video game has been stepped up tenfold. You know, now there's a handheld stabilizer. I've got an external microphone. Obviously, my iPhone technology has upgraded. The new videos are edited. I have a planned path of speech, or not, I shouldn't say a speech, but I know what I'm going to talk about and say. But I've got this one video from back in the day that just keeps on running and keeps on performing. When I look at it, again, I cringe and I'm like, who the heck would, you know, contact us after watching it? But it works. It looks like just organic video that's out there on Facebook, something somebody shared. Hey, I'm Corey. I'm a local guy. I'm out here on one of our project sites. Take a look at it. It doesn't look like an advertisement at all. Yeah. No, that's great. It's like, you know, blend in to stand out is what we sort of say. And we've definitely noticed that more lifestyle photos just in some of our national and international advertisers actually work better than the photo shoot photos. And we've seen that trend Mm -hmm. consistently for the last year and a half. I think it is because it doesn't look like it's an ad. I mean, you're not trying to deceive somebody, but it lowers their guard. It's like, it's just human nature. Like we said before, I mean, they have local landmarks that they might identify, but Mm -hmm. also this guy looks a little bit more like me. He's not some slick sales guy. And I think it works, you know, in the national and international markets and it absolutely works in the local markets, which is great. And probably even better news for some of the local service folks that are listening right now. I don't have to go out and get a photo shoot done of, you know, me and my job sites. I can just actually do it on my own with my iPhone and sort of take it from there. So that's great. One of the things that I didn't ask you about, which I'm really interested in, is you had said that you had also made use of offer ads. Now, I assume this is in the secondary phase, or is that in the pre-engagement, they don't know who you are phase? How have you found those to work for lead generation? You're right in your assumption there. It's in the secondary phase. We are not coming out to a cold audience with these offer ads. But If you've been in the marketing realm for a while, you know offer ads work. Doing it in a service business is quite a challenge because nobody likes to discount the service. And oftentimes, well, the costs in a service business are highly variable. In other words, had there been no service, there would be no expense. So it's a lot easier to structure these incredible offers in other businesses, particularly where you have a product ladder, something that we don't have, you know, as strong in the service business. But we did, or I did manage to kind of pull something together there, and that is what is essentially a gift card or coupon, depending on how you look at it. We're running an ad out there, and we do this strategically so that the deadline ends. I guess that's a whole other thing. I'll I'll kind of go back to the beginning, getting ahead of myself. But we run these ads with the coupon or gift card. They visually show a card-looking image on there, and the background on the card reflects our services. And, of course, it's coming from our company, and it's coming to an audience that is warm, opting in for a $100 gift card. And at that point, we just collect name and email. Now, of course, we have to nurture them from that point. So after they opt in with that name and email, then we run them through an email sequence and there's a deadline on when they can claim and use this gift card. So we'll strategically put this deadline right around when we know it's going to be slow and we know that we've got a seasonal slowdown. Many ways I could have said that. But when we know we're coming up to a slow part or a holiday or something where people don't generally make buying decisions, we'll put this gift card out there to expire at that time and then we'll run them through the email nurturing sequence and the last few days we're running essentially emails to them saying hey your gift card expires tomorrow in 24 hours another email your gift card expires in six hours if you need an estimate you know here's how to do it It sends them on over to our landing page or in some of our new emails i've got a click to call now right in the email so that's what we're doing on the offer end of things and it's working out pretty well so for anyone who 
is not familiar with offer ads because we haven't really talked about them all that much. They are actually really effective because we typically will use website conversions or a lot of the other objectives that we talk about here on the show. But there is the offer which is claimed and then the offer that is saved. And then Facebook will give you a notification internally that your offer is about to expire. You guys also do it inside your email autoresponder series as well. Do you go that far? No, we don't. So in the email autoresponder series, we're basically just dripping them content and then reminders of when it expires. That's amazing. I mean, it's really, it's great to have you on the show here today. I think we've given a lot of knowledge bombs to not only potentially Facebook agencies who run traffic for local clients, as well as, you know, folks that are in your niche and are looking to do this on your own. And from what I hear, you actually have a website that we can send people to if they want to learn more about how you've been able to do this. Why don't we talk about that just a little bit here? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, about a year ago, I started publishing a blog on marketing and sales for the home service business. And naturally, that gravitates a lot towards Facebook advertising, which is hot topic and one of my favorite things. I'm always logged into my ads manager. I'm logged in there too much and paying too much attention. <laughs> I know we all, all of us listening should probably spend oh less time looking at that. But uh, anyways, detox. like you guys, I'm all obsessed with it and keep looking at it. So I publish a lot naturally on Facebook ads. The blog is homeprosuccess.com. So head on over to that website, that blog. I got a lot of awesome articles already published and way more in the pipeline talking about sales and marketing, particularly for local home service businesses and Facebook, of course, in that process. That's awesome. And if you want to hire Corey and his team, obviously go to Gulf Coast Aluminum. And if you're in the Florida market and you need a new pool cage, he's your guy, (laughs) obviously. We are the guys to call. We will get it done cool. That's awesome. So homeprosuccess.com. Definitely check him out there. He's got a ton of content on there. Some really good, like, I don't think I've seen content. I haven't gone through this the last couple of days and prep for today. Like you really get into the weeds here and give a lot of really high value information. So we will uh, link back to that in the show notes, as well as your uh, main business over at Gulf Coast Aluminum. Corey, it's been a pleasure having you on the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. And yeah, I would love to maybe even have you back in a year or so and see how things have changed and how you're keeping up with things. I mean, you're one of the very few industries you see your return on ad spend is even better today than it was a year or so ago, which is tremendous. So it's been awesome having you on the show here. Yeah, Ralph, I'd love to be back on the show. And no doubt with the way things are changing so quickly, in a year there will be all kinds of changes and lots to talk about. No shortage of that stuff in a year. So look forward to coming back on the show. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Facebook always tries to keep us on our toes. I don't know why they do that. I just want it to be a set it and forget it platform someday, (laughs) but I don't think that'll ever actually happen. But that is job security, I think, for the both of us to a certain degree. Well, this has been episode 177 of the Digital Marketer Perpetual Traffic Podcast. Make sure you go to the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. We'll have all kinds of goodies there for you. And until next week, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Turns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.
John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply, that's tier11.com forward slash apply, and we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.